pain, chronic pain, lymphatics and emotions. Okay, how does it all tie in? This episode of Cell TV ties it all in. Okay, you get the best how-to ever. It got me up out of my chair doing all of this. And I committed, just like I did um, with the castor oil, I committed to 30 days because I got so darn excited about this um, and, and how simple it was. And I believe all of you are going to commit to 30 days of doing this too. And I think we're all going to go beyond. But, oh man, this how-to on how to clear your lymph, which is going to affect your emotions, infect chronic pain. It's going to affect every aspect of health in your body. Stay tuned. everyone. Welcome to Cellular Healing TV. I'm Ashley Smith and today we welcome Dr. Perry Nicholson who is a chiropractic physician, speaker on the topics of movement and health, and the author of the upcoming book Stop Chasing Pain. Dr. Perry is here today to discuss pain, the lymphatic system, and how emotions can play a role in all of it. We always love these topics. So let's welcome Dr. Perry and of course Dr. Pompa to the show. Welcome both of you. Well, thanks for being here, Dr. Perry. I appreciate it, especially on this topic, uh, pain. I mean, come on. I mean, this is uh, this is a big one, I, you know. But I, I, look, I, I've done a lot of shows about pain, but you're you have a unique approach here. I, I, I'm a big, huge fan of the lymphatics and how it plays into so many, you know, different problems, autoimmune, etc. You know, and I always say when people have weird pain, unexplainable pain, think about infection. And something else I say is if you have infection issues, oh, you probably have lymph challenges. <laughs> so you can see how this is all going together. All right, we're going to untangle all of that and even how emotions play into that, which I can't wait to hear because I'm also a big believer in how it all plays together. But I, I want to start by your story because like me, I was a chiropractor and now I'm functioning outside of chiropractor, still with the philosophy that the body has ability to heal itself if we remove the interference. But my own challenge, my own sickness, you know, took me where I am today. That's your story, Perry. So tell, tell that story. Yeah, it sounds like I'm hearing my own story when you're going over yours. Uh, I, what I've discovered is that most of our discoveries in life that take us where we need to be are usually... Uh, uh, have some pain and suffering that go along with it, right? Yeah. Um, you start to have a new perspective on something, a different way of looking at something, oftentimes by not on your own choice, that makes sense. So I, uh, about five years ago, I think, I just got blindsided, uh, you know, with an autoimmune disease. They still don't have a name for what I have. It was just a lot of inflammation in my body. And then I began to get infections all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, so my immune system was going crazy. So I'd, I'd get sinus infections, urinary tract infections, prostate infections, ear infections, all these itises. And the traditional medical approach for those infections is usually pharmacology and medication, which sometimes you do need, right? But then I just started to need more and more and more and then going on antibiotics and pain medications and eventually some surgical interventions that, you know, looking back may have been necessary, but there was several in a row. And they just massacred my system even more. And then it got to a point where I could barely function. I actually had to quit practicing and traveling and teaching because the thing that that got me the most was at the pain, yes. Uh, but when my brain started to go, that was the scariest part because yeah. I, had, I couldn't put sentences together. I was forgetting things. I had brain fog, fatigue. I was so tired no matter how much I slept. So I had no energy. My, yeah. my body just couldn't get enough energy to sustain itself, much less begin to heal itself. And, um, so I was heading fast into some serious neurodegenerative disorders. I mean, I was showing signs of Alzheimer's, honestly, with how bad I was getting. And um, I knew that I needed some help and focusing on the musculoskeletal system and even the nervous system, which is what I had training in from chiropractic, but also studying over the years, pain science and neuroscience and the power of the brain and the nervous system. But it wasn't helping. And if it did help, it didn't stick. And I've always wondered in my 27 years, I was always asking why 
stuff that would help didn't last and why it didn't stick. And yeah. I've always been on a search for some kind of answer. Um, and I think that my sickness was delivered to me to discover it, honestly. So yeah, I, had- well, I, I would agree the same with mine as well. You know what? And, and what you said there, why things don't stick. And my short answer is, oh, you just didn't get to the cause yet. <laughs> because I did a lot of things that helped me like, okay, I dress my adrenals, eh, help my energy a little bit temporarily. Just my thyroid helped it temporarily. It helped, you know, I did it all, but it was nothing lasting until I really truly got upstream to the cause. Sounds like your story. Yeah, and it was because it, I've always thought, listen, if you give the body what it wants, it'll tell you quick, fast, and a hurry if you got it right. And if you don't give it what it wants, it'll tell you that too. And so I, I don't believe that you know it takes months and months and months for people to start to notice a change and what they should be getting. It's telling me that you know, thanks for the attempt, but you're not on the right track. And so that's why with my journey, I have a new definition of pain for me because pain is a deep rabbit hole, right? I mean, so we're going to be unpacking that one for centuries and everybody's going to disagree on it for centuries, but pain is a request for change. That's my definition. Pain Mm -hmm. is a request for change. So to me, that means a change in your habits and your behaviors and change from the standpoint of the clinician of how you're looking at the body the way you're addressing it for the underlying quote unquote root cause or things that added to what happened. So the, my thought process is with stop chasing pain, the name, it was quite educational because I've been teaching people for years that your side of pain is not telling you that's a, that's where your problem is. But when, when I would be looking for what might be causing the pain, I was still trapped in a musculoskeletal framework of the system. So we're going to give you an example. Like if your shoulder hurts on your right shoulder hurts, I would say, well, maybe it's coming from your left hip. You know, that's a huge thing for a lot of people to see that connection, but it was still musculoskeletal oriented. And I knew that that wasn't what I needed because I was still suffering. And that's when I began to study energy systems and different systems of the body, particularly the immune system, because my immune system was uh, going, it was maladapted. It was just going crazy. And that's what led me into discovering the role of the lymphatic system. And once I came across that, I was really uh, shocked because nobody had ever mentioned lymphatic system to me at all in any role whatsoever in contributing to what my problem was. And then when I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? I've been in this profession at the time, this is 22 years, because that was a few years ago, 22 years. And I don't think I maybe read like a paragraph on the lymphatics. And in school, I graduated in 1997 from Palm Beach College of Chiropractic. I don't remember ever going over the lymphatics because it was all about the spine and the nervous system. And once I came across this stuff, I was blown away. But the reason I was blown away is because of this. Uh, Somebody actually uh, saw me at a workshop because I was trying to study um, energy systems of the body right? How cells heal themselves. And at the time I was sniffing a lot, like every five seconds I was sniffing, every two seconds I was clearing my throat. So I had a lot of mucus, a lot of phlegm because my immune system was going crazy. And a lot of people were getting upset because it's very annoying in the class, right? And the lead instructor said, I, I want you to come on up because I think I know what your problem is. And I'm like, absolutely. And he said, I, he said, come on over and I'm going to check a spot. And he put two fingers right behind the angle of my jaw, below my ear, at the top of my cervical spine right there. And he pressed on the left and on the right. We know that as C1, C2. And I screamed like it was so painful. Um, and he said, I think you got a lymphatic system problem. And I, and I remember I went, lymph what? <laughs> it's like, like. So here's the thing, out of all the years that I've been pressing in there, I was visualizing C1, C2, and nerves. I wasn't thinking the largest lymph node in the neck sits there. Yeah. That's not what I was thinking, even though it was there all along. And so he proceeded at that point to physically assess all of my major lymph nodes in the body. They're, they're clusters of nodes that gather together, uh, and there's primary places that they sit. So a top of the neck is one, bottom of the neck is another, right at the shoulder joint, in the abdomen, um, and then in the groin, behind the knee. 
So the, the big dogs, we call it. Every single one was just as excruciating as the other. Oh. And I thought he had hands from Satan. I swear it was the worst pain I ever felt. And I kid you not, when I stood up, I actually could breathe better than I've been able to breathe in months just from the assessment. Hmm. And then, because just when you assess them, you actually start to move the lip, you clear sure. the blockages. And the that night I felt horrific because I started the detoxification process. But the next day I woke up, I still felt like I got hit by a truck, but I actually, I felt a, like a 25, 30% difference in my energy level. And I'm like, okay, this, there's something to this thing. And from that point on, I was a man obsessed with learning about this system and I never looked back. So well, my results were, my journey was because of the changes that I had so quickly that right. I never had any with anything else. Yeah. So let's talk about what you learned. Uh, I mean, movement being a part of it. One of the things that you talk about is the simplicity of this fluid system of the body and addressing it with great simplicity. And many times people complicate it. Um, we've done several shows on lymph. Um, can't wait to hear this and my viewers to hear it. So what did you learn? Yeah, well, just the 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 immense role it plays in your being alive. <laughs> like yeah. uh, if that system stops working altogether, you're dead in about 24 hours, which yeah. means it's sort of important, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, you have septic blood in 24 hours. I would, I would. Yeah, agree. it's really important for people to realize what it does. So it's it's part of your immune system, a significant part of your immune system. And your immune system is designed to just kill things. That's its job, and to keep you alive. And most of that immune system strength is going to come from your gut, as you know, 70 to 80 percent, depending on your resources, come from your gut. And then it just so happens that the majority of your lymphatic system lives in your gut and it's the first system to greet anything that crosses the gut that's not supposed to be there. So the lymph kicks into gear and the lymph is the sewage system of your body. It's designed to remove everything you don't want in there like viruses, bacteria, toxins, parasites, fungus, cancer cells, even your own cellular metabolic waste. So the cells that you have from healthy, just dying naturally every day and even from doing things like training, that yep. metabolic waste has to get out. That's right. If it does not get out, it stays inside you, and then you become more toxic you know, to yourself, basically. And so it ties into the immune system, but it's a significant component, the second part that I call it, of your cardiovascular system. So your heart and your veins are beholden to how well the lymphatic system works because the lymph dumps directly into the venous vein system of the body. So your vascularization and your blood flow, the ability to deliver the actual nutrients and oxygen you need to tissue is going to be beholden to how well the lymphatic system itself works. So that's why I came up with the analogy of body aquarium, because when I started to explain this system, it's very overwhelming and people can just glaze over really fast. And I just use the analogy of if you have a, a clean fish tank, envision the water in the tank as the water and in your body. And that in order to keep that tank nice and clean and pure and for the fish to thrive and survive, you need a filtration system. And that's the lymphatic system. If that system works well, then the tank looks great and fish can have the potential to thrive. Yeah. If that system does not work well, then the water in the tank slowly begins to turn and we know what it looks like. It's green, it's got algae, it's got fungus, it's got decreased oxygen, it gets biofilm. The fish begin to die and get sick. You see them in the water like this, because they can't breathe. And I'm like, well, the fish are your cells and your cells can't breathe if they're living in that toxic water. And then what we do in medicine is we, replace the fish, we replace the water, we try to do everything to the tank. And I'm like, why don't you just look at the filter system? And if you fix that, then all the other stuff 
then you can take care of. Maybe you need to take care of those. But if you don't take care of the filter system, here's the thing that I learned. You don't stand a chance in hell of reaching your full potential. And that was the answer that I was looking for because you hear this phrase all the time that it's epigenetics. It's the environment that kicks off the, the genes to whether you're going to get sick or whether you're going to get healthy. And there's a phrase that I came across once that was, you cannot get well in the same environment you became ill within. Mm -hmm. You cannot get well within the same environment you became ill within. I'm like, well, you probably should make sure that the environment that your cells live in 24-7 works great. And the number one system that does that, in my clinical opinion, is the lymphatic system. And then people just don't know anything about how to take care of it, or they don't even know it exists um, in what I call the real world. But there's people in medicine that don't even know anything about it. I agree. All right. So... Let's talk about how we can clean our tanks. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, our, our, this system doesn't have pumps. When you buy a fish tank um, and put a filter in, it has, you plug it in, it has an electric pump. <laughs> so these systems don't, right? I mean, these systems are, you know, just these free flowing systems. So I know movement is really how our bodies are designed to actually move lymph. So we know that somebody, laying in a hospital bed, we, we need to bring someone in and physically move them, you know, to, you know, obviously move the lymph and move this system. So tell us about your methods here. Yeah. So we know, I mean, what the beautiful thing is, is that medicine and research is starting to come around and I, there's more things being looked at with lymph now than ever before, which is encouraging, uh, especially in relationship to the brain, glymphatics, which we may get into later. But so we know that there, there's two things that move the lymphatics primarily. And one is movement, human movement. So the more you move of yourself, more often, more ways, more environments, the better. Probably the best movement you can do is actually physically walking. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Which humans don't do a lot of, especially now, even more so because you're stuck inside. And when you walk, you use your calves and your, your calves are considered its own like pump-like mechanism, aka a second heart, uh, at least in Eastern medicine. And that helps pump the venous blood up from the calves and then moves the contraction of the muscles in the body, moves the fluid. You know, jumping up and down does it great. So trampolining and stuff like that is very helpful for lymph. And you just so happens that you have your own trampoline built into your body. It's called your calf. So you can jump up and down on the balls of your feet, right? So movement, but not a lot of people do a lot of movement. Or here's the thing. If they do movement, they do the same kind of movement all the time. So there's a caveat. Because if you do the same movement all the time, your body adapts to that type of movement like a callus on a hand. So your tissues will begin to tighten and stiffen up based on your same movement. So you can actually influence abnormal fluid flow because you do the same kind of movements too much. By the way, my principle of diet variation is based on the same adaptation principle. When you shift and change your diet, the body is forced to adapt and the adaptation makes you better, your microbiome better exercise is always the example I get, you know, you get every exercise you start with seems to work and then it plateaus and then you start getting diminished results, <laughs> change exercise, body has to adapt, results go up. So your point is this applies to lymph is if you're doing the same, I exercise all the time because I bet you a lot of my viewers are going, I exercise all the time, exercise all the time, but you're saying, yeah, but you're doing the same exercises. Yeah, that's a big piece of it, right? It's just like your immune system. Your immune system becomes stronger and more resilient when you throw a lot of stuff at it. That's right. Um, and then, uh, so that's a very common thing that I get too, because I have people that are in the fitness world and they say, I move all the time. Shouldn't my lymph move? I'll answer that question in a moment. And then, then breathing. So breathing is one. And what I mean by breathing is diaphragmatic breathing. I'm sure that you probably talked to this with your people a lot of breathing through your diaphragm where it's this dome shaped muscle that sits at the rib cage there. And then when you breathe in, particularly through your nose, the muscle pushes down. And then when you breathe out, then it comes back up. So it's this, it changes pressure. 
the reason that breathing works that way with the diaphragm is it changes pressure in the body. Pressure moves fluid, folks. Pressure mm. moves fluid. So that moves what they call your intra-abdominal pressure, your cylinder around your abdomen, your sides, and your back like that. But that's only one pressure cylinder. You've got another one in your pelvis, down in your pelvic floor. You got another one in your thoracics, in your neck, and in your skull. So you have different pressure zones that have to function independently, but they also have to function together as a piston. So when you breathe in and out, you have a piston from your head to your tail that drives fluid flow or is supposed to. So if you don't breathe through the diaphragm, which most people don't, because they've lost the ability to do it, or they're under so much stress, tension, and tightness that they breathe through the neck first, the shoulders second, chest third. So everything is up here. And then you lose the power piston of the lymph flow because the largest lymph node in your body and most of the lymph sits in your abdomen. That's where most of it actually gets congested and stuck. It gets stuck at one called the cisterna chile, which sits about yeah. two inches above your navel, more off to the right-hand side near your vena cava. And it takes all of the lymph from your organs and, and the lower part of the body. And if that guy gets stuck, you get backflow pressure. And if you're not breathing through the diaphragm, you become stagnant in your abdominal region. Mm. And then that's what happens. So people don't breathe through the diaphragm and they don't move. But now people always say, but I breathe through the diaphragm all the time because I've taken all these diaphragm breath courses and I do all those different types of breathing and I move all the time. I even jump up and down on a trampoline. Why is my lymph still messed up? Two reasons. One, it's probably so blocked or so stagnant that that's not enough to move it anymore. You have to get in there and manually help it move. I've got to push it along through manual lymphatic release by hand because it's too stuck. Or you've still got an underlying inflammatory in issue somewhere and your lymph just keeps coming back because you haven't gotten to the root cause of, because a lymph issue that keeps coming back is not a lymph problem. That's right. It's still an immune system problem. And if it's an immune system problem, it's a nervous system problem. Sorry, that's my dog. Uh, it's those called what's called a neuroimmune response. So your nervous system and your immune system work together. So that's the reason. So I always tell people something. It's a basic tenet from osteopathic medicine. Osteopathic medicine was pretty much the pioneer from Andrew Taylor still and talking about fluid flow and lymphatics. And they said this phrase, and it's a central tenet of my work. Drainage precedes supply. That you have to drain the lymph and clear the lymph first before you can begin to supply the body with the nutrients and the oxygen that you need or whatever type of therapy that you're doing. What does that mean in my world? Lymphatic work always comes first, period. Then yeah. I move to everything else. You know, and it, it's so amazing. One of the things I see a lot of is people have major hidden infections and cavitations and root canals unknowingly. And then it just creates this cesspool of lymph. And if you don't clear that lymph, it's, it's oh man, even after you get the cavitations done, the lymph is still now to your point, still blocked where you need literally some of these manual therapies uh, to free it up. That's big, Doc, because when you look in here, every tooth has its own lymph channel, mm -hmm. right? And then people have these underlying infections in through here, receding gums, periodontal disease. Yeah. Yeah. That's an underlying cause that, cause that drives um, autoimmune disease or dysfunctional gut um, issues. Uh, or if you've had a root canal or a cavitation or an abscess, and then you go to the dentist and you think everything's good, it's gone, probably not so much. And then it feeds that system from here. And then that's why a lot of people have this. Um, when, we, when I see somebody, I always do a full lymphatic assessment on everyone. So no matter what you come in with, if you say, doc, I've got a hangnail that I can't get rid of, you're getting a lymph exam. Like <laughs> if I've got a knee, I don't care what it is, you're taking a lymph assessment because it might not be a problem, but I need to rule it out. I need to check the box. It's like, it's like flying on an airplane. I got to do my checklist to make sure I can take off. Yeah. And if that doesn't clear, I need to make sure I work that uh, first. So you'll always easily see 
stuff around the underneath the jaw, around the cheeks and nose, you know, right at the side of the temple area there, really, really um, tender, painful, or the nerves in the face become inflamed because of the lumbatic system issue. And then you get irritation to the cranial nerves at the brainstem. And that feeds sympathetic fight, flight, freeze, freak out just because your face can't drain. Yeah, no, I, I my wife went through this. I, I wish she were listening. Um, but so, and it all stemmed from a cavitation that was taken care of, but then she still had this lymph issue, right? Yeah. So, and it was, it was through here to your point. So, okay. Um, where, where would the, the lymph, this was where you might see it, right? Because I, I want to know a little bit more about your assessment. Like, how do you yes. assess for this, right? I think people listening would want to know that. But just because you see it here doesn't mean the blockage is here. I mean, obviously, it's blocked there, but it could be the tonsils. It could be the cystokine. Upright. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So kind of talk yeah. about your assessment and, you know, and then how that plays into where you would think the problem would be. That's a really great question. Um, because the lymph goes everywhere, right? I mean, it's a massive system and it, it works on pressure. So I go back to the law of hydrodynamics from physics, which basically says this fundamental law, high pressure flows to low pressure, right? Fluid dynamics. So I tell people, think about a dam of water where there's a lake. You've got all the water on one side, that's high pressure. And then you've got none on the other side. The water naturally wants to go there. I don't have to teach it how to go there. All I got to do is remove what? The blockage. And then the water knows where to go. That's right. It's the same thing with the lymph. So when I clear the lymph, the body knows where it's got to go. I don't have to teach it to do anything. I just got to help it get out of its way. So when we think about pressure with the lymph, the most important thing is I tell people, once you understand this concept, you know how to treat the lymphatic system. It's so easy. The lowest pressure of the lymphatics where they drain are at the collarbone, right mm -hmm. above and into below. That's the veins, right? The subclavian, sub below, yeah. clavicle, subclavian veins, because the lymph will go back to the venous system. So the lowest pressure is at the bottom of the neck. If we know that's the lowest pressure, now where's the highest pressure? The highest pressure is at the distal parts. In the top of your head is the highest pressure. So I know that the lymph on the top of my head, ultimately, where does it want to drain to? The bottom of the neck, assuming that it can get there. So in order to get to the bottom of the neck, it has to clear all these individual clusters of nodes that it's almost like little micro filters that look like kidneys that you're that come in and kill things that pass through it. So you've got one right at the top of the neck, right behind the angle of the jaw. That's the largest one. Mm -hmm. Got them underneath your jaw. I got them running down the side of the throat, the deep cervical lymph nodes. They actually drain the ones from your brain. Then I got the ones on the jaw, right by my nose, right by my temple, and in the back of my head. Mm -hmm. So if I've got one at the, say I'm stuck and I'm puffy in the cheek. Mm -hmm. So cheeks get really, really puffy and swollen when lip is an issue or you have sinus issues. Then in order, this has to clear the jaw, under the jaw and the neck to get down. So if I'm blocked anywhere below the cheek, it can't get there. So when you release the lymph, it's a law of lymph. You always release it when you're doing the head from the bottom of the neck up to the top. Because what that does is it clears pressure blockages from bottom up. So mm -hmm. no matter where it is, it can flow past what you just released. And we had Kelly Kennedy teach my viewers how to pump the lymph and, of course, brush the lymph. Yeah. Um, do you recommend those plus the movement or is there something else that you want to share? Yeah, that's a great one. So what what because once you know where they are, right. I'll be honest with you, it doesn't, doesn't really matter what the hell you do with it. As long as right. you know that you rub here first, that opens up the channel. Right. So what I do is that I, I don't brush until I stimulate nodes first. So I teach 
stimulate the node clusters, then you brush down okay. that way. So brushing to me is last. She, she agreed with that. She said that you pump them first and then brush them to the same thing. She said, clear here first. Right, you always clear there. And then when you do the rest of the body, it's, it's the opposite. So I've got high pressure in my hands. I've got high pressure in my feet. The highest pressure is in your feet. That's why you get swollen feet and ankles when you're flying on a plane because fluid has to fight gravity to get there. So it settles there. So then everything in my foot has to go up to the bottom. Think about that distance. That's mm -hmm. a huge distance. Yeah. So now when I talk about clusters, right? So you've got, say I've got the neck here, then I've got behind my sternum and along my spine. Then I go down to the abdomen where the largest lymph node in the body sits about two inches above the navel. Mm -hmm. And then I've got the ones that are in my lumbar lymph nodes that sit along the lumbar spine and go sideways down into the groin. So your right groin and your left groin, and then behind your right knee and your left knee, those are the big clusters. So let's say if I have a swollen ankle on the left-hand side, we know that you need to get rid of that swelling and inflammation and it, the lymphatics get rid of swelling. Ice doesn't get rid of swelling, lymphatics get rid of swelling. So then you know, okay, where is that swelling gotta go? It's gotta go out through the veins, it's gotta go out through the lymph. What's the target? It's the neck. So I got to make sure that there's nothing blocked behind the knee because that's the first block it's going to hit. Then the next block is the groin. Yeah. Then the next block is the navel. The next block is the abdomen at the sternocheli. The next block is behind the sternum. If you're stuck, what I see all the time is that people are stuck at the sternum. They're stuck in the abdomen. And the swelling in the ankle, even though it wants to get out, can't. So it resettles back down to the bottom because it gets up and it says, I can't go any further. I got to go right back down where I was. So you have to clear this time you go neck down. Hmm. So collarbone down. You never, ever start from the foot up. Never. So... so here up, here down. Correct. Okay. Correct. Right. So I don't dry brush, say, for instance, get on the foot and dry brush up. You can, but I'm going to be dry brushing you up into a possible block. And the biggest blocks that people have that they don't know that they have are in the abdomen and in the groin and in the sternum. So I have to clear those first because. Uh, then I brush after that, because if I clear the blocks, then the lymph already knows where it needs to go. So wait a minute. So you're saying like we did here, you kind of pump these areas, right? Stimulate these on up. So you're saying, okay, now we do it the opposite. We go here, we go in, in this area, you know, into the abdomen, two inches up, right? I mean, all the points you're saying, is that correct? And then, correct. You, then you brush in the same order? No, then you brush from bottom up. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, so then you brush the feet up because you freed them. Got yeah, it. Yeah, because we know where it needs to go. Okay. So what I, as a term for, I call these node roads. So there's roads of lymph and then they come together in these big clusters of nodes. You've got six to 700 lymph nodes in the body, depending on the resource that you look at. Either way, it's a big number. First of all, one third of that number is from the neck up. So I want you to just think about that. One third is from the neck up. So ne lymph is probably going to be a little bit of an important role for neck and brain health. Then the rest are going to develop in clusters. And it's no, nature's pretty smart. She puts most of the clusters around the big joints of the body that need to have a lot of mobility. Shoulders, hips, knees, trunk. So if you move those, you pump those, right? So for me, uh, I'm going to check the sternum and the abdomen for sure because they're the two biggest places where people get stuck. But nobody ever looks there, and here's why. Because nobody ever has pain there. 
So how do you how do you pump the start when they're behind the sternum? You know, I mean, it's easy to hit some of these abdomen spots, right? You know, the yeah. the, the navel two inches above, a little to the right is the cistern, right? So I mean, th those are pretty easy to you know just to mobilize in there. But how do you do this? Area. It's the very same premise. So just along the sternum itself, um, it is supposed to be hard because it's a bone. And yeah. you've, got, you've got fascial attachments there that, that can be tight for people as well because it bridges right pec to left pec and then neck to pelvis. But it gets very puffy and swollen in there when you've got congested lymph. And it gets very congested in between the ribs as they articulate to the sternum. So you have to go in between the rib spaces next to the sternum, as well as the sternum to free it up. And then depending on your skill set level, you can do one, what they call thymus stumping, which is I'm just going to pound my sternum mm -hmm. with my heel of my hand or my fist. So I'm giving myself pretty much like CPR. Right. If you're a clinician and you can do it and your experience with uh, movement, you can do uh, mobility uh, resets to the sternum that are based on osteopathic medicine, just based on pressure. I can go here and I can do what's called a lung pump where I can actually pump the lungs at this place right below the collarbone. I give like CPR. Mm -hmm to below the collarbone. Mm -hmm. And then that's gonna free up that motion here. So, cause that's where it gets stuck. Okay. And then when I go down to the abdomen, then I'll go and I'll check around the navel is a huge one. Okay. And then about two inches up, I'll go in there and I'll dig deep and I'll press in several inches where, where I need to go. And then I'll work that region as well. And most people are astounded at how painful those areas are. And yeah, here, yeah, no, they're I mean, not supposed to be painful. Right. No, exactly. And, and I would argue that uh, that plays so much into a gut that won't heal uh, because obviously it, it's, you know, tied directly into what, you know, those channels, lymphatic channels are connected right into the gut. In, in that and area. this is what's really important for people to understand is that, that when you look at the lymphatic system, because I've studied a lot, particularly in relationship to cancer, because I had cancer 18 years ago, I had thyroid cancer. So they took out my thyroid gland and a significant amount of nodes in my neck at the time, which I really didn't think about at the time. So my body was sick when I had cancer and yeah. I had the procedure done, but I was still sick. You follow and then I just manifested it years later with an autoimmune disease. But um, this region in here, when they took those out, I was, I was more vulnerable. When you look at cancer, they'll tell you that the entire lymphatic system is only as strong and resilient as its weakest and most vulnerable lymph node, mm. which means that if I have one lymph node of the body and they look at it more from the one that has the metastasis in it, but that's, that's the one where uh, say I have Every lymph node feels good, but I got one swollen one, let's say behind my left knee, but all the other ones are good. When you look at the lymphatic system, that lymph node makes the entire system vulnerable in its ability to flow. Hmm. So the lymph node behind your knee can be the contributing factor to the neck pain that won't go away because everything is interconnected and that fluid system is one. It's not separate. And plus, I know that that lymph node will influence venous flow and arterial flow. So then that's going to make a difference on the ability for me to get the nutrients and the oxygen that I need to whatever tissue that I have. So that's why you have to do a full body lymphatic system on everyone. Uh, you can do isolated treatments for a swollen left leg, for instance, but I want you to make sure that you look at them all because the body is, is very interesting. First of all, it's under no obligation whatsoever to make sense to you. It can do whatever the hell it wants to do. Mm -hmm. And you may expect that if your left leg has pain, that you would see the lymph on the left side to be the worst. No, it doesn't have to. It could be on the right hand side. So I usually will do the whole system reset on someone before I begin to go uh, isolated in that region. And it's really important that we remember it. So I talk about, there's a phrase that I use all the time is where no system in the body ever works alone. Yeah. It never gets injured alone. 
it never heals alone. So when I'm pressing on the cisterna Kylie, two inches up from my navel, I have to tell, first of all, anybody who presses here probably doesn't even think I'm pressing on a lymph node. They don't, right. even, they don't even think that the system is there. If you could just know that it's there, that's a win. But then you got to remember, holy cow, it sits right next to the vena cava. It's at night, right next to the aorta. And if that's backed up, it's going to influence blood flow, which if I'm backed up there, it's going to change blood flow everywhere, even in my brain. And then I've got nerve clusters that sit there. So behind there, you've got these ganglion, these plexus of ganglion. You've got the celiac plexus, the superior and inferior mesenteric, and then the hypogastric below that. So I've got four big circles of nerves that are the way station for everything coming in here. And if they've got, if you've got swelling, when I touch in your belly like that, I'm going to tell you right now, those relay stations are not working as well as they should. And that can send you pain anywhere, hmm. anywhere. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's the connection. So two questions. Um, we, how do you, I mean, when I, I asked the question earlier, but I, we kind of answered it, but to be more specific, assessing them, are we just looking for puffiness, pain on touch, or is there something else? There's a couple of things. So you'll have a clinical presentation with lymphatics. So I have this joke. How do you know you have a lymphatic system problem? Well, you're breathing. That's how I know you got a lymphatic system problem. Is And I, the other joke is that if you're standing in front of me asking me for help, it's probably an issue there. Because the, the lymphatic system can have a couple different presentations. It can have one where you're puffy and you're swollen. So that's the one where somebody visibly looks puffy. Mm -hmm. So when you look back at old pictures of me, I looked heavy in the face. I had edema. I had inflammation, right? Uh, and I looked puffy and I had extra weight because when you become very toxic, you'll put on body fat to try to, as a way to uh, protect you from toxins. <clears throat> and so you'll have weight, you'll be puffy, you'll be swollen. When I touch around the lymph node clusters, it will be painful. It will feel puffy. I will actually see skin changes. It can be red. It can be blotchy. You can have petechiae. I can have changes to the skin where you don't get blood flow back. So capillary refill is uh, compromised. But I'll usually go by your reaction. Like I'll know if you like it or you don't like it. So I know one thing. If you got pain somewhere, you got a lymph problem, right? Because if you got pain, you got inflammation. It may not be inflammation there, it's probably inflammation in your brain, which is why you're perceiving pain when I touch there. So you've got that presentation, then I'm gonna look at your history. I'm gonna see oh, the things that you've checked off, particularly maybe like digestive history, you know, sinus history, um, people who have allergies, a lot of prone to allergies and asthma, very big lymph problems because those lay down antibodies, they lay down this puffiness type of thing to protect right. you. Fluids and mucus and stuff are protective. And that's what was happening to me. So I was a big giant puffball. When I got my lymph under control, I lost 30 pounds of edema, inflammation, and swelling and body fat in a month. Wow. Like that. And I wow. just leaned out. And then you have another presentation where the lymph is not puffy or swollen, but it's breaking down because your system is catabolic. So that's a person who is not puffy or swollen. The, they're more broken down. So the lymph is, a, is an issue, but it's not swollen per se, but the supporting structures called the anchoring filaments there are beginning to break down. And then this, the body begins to eat the support structure away and then it can't control fluid dynamics. But the body is eating away the tissue because you're stuck in a catabolic sympathetic dominant mode. So you'll have a lymph issue, but you'll have two different presentations for it and you'll treat the lymph the same way but your your ultimate thing that you'll need to do will be slightly different because each one of those things is a catabolic response and an anabolic response that means you've got a different immune system response that the lymph is reacting to so mm. you have to ultimately uh, have a restoration program that is the same but different if that makes sense yeah so 
Yeah, I mean, so, but you would clear the lymph the same, correct? Well, yeah, so you always want to clear the lymph, but you have to be careful here because I've learned a few valuable lessons is that just because you can clear all the lymph at one time doesn't mean you should. Hmm. Uh, and there's different, there's different ways of being aggressive with the lymph in relationship to pressure, time, depth, speed. There's many variations, but I learned a long time ago that if you do too much to someone, the system can't handle it. Most of the time it can't because people may be poor detoxifiers to begin with because it could be a genetic issue, probably a liver issue for sure, but the system is so overloaded and so sensitive that if you do too much, you'll actually send them into what's called a retoxification reaction where they become really sick for weeks, if not months, and their healing slows down. So when I have somebody that's been sick for a while, or I know they've got an, um, an acute exacerbation of an autoimmune disease, I work the lymph, but I do it in stages because I need to tiptoe into the system so that it can, it can tolerate what I'm doing to it. And the one thing that I learned is that um, when you assess the primary lymph node regions of the body, which we teach, I've, I've gone over a couple of them, there's more, but just the very act of putting your finger there, applying pressure and moving side to side. Mm-hmm. The assessment is the first treatment. Yeah. But because it's so light of just pressing there, it's not an onslaught of a detox. So the assessment is usually will make somebody feel a lot better. And here's the cool thing, Doc. All of those lymph nodes live near major vascularization nerve points and pulse points. So if you're having tissue tightness and restriction, you're going to reduce lymph flow because tight tissue does not allow optimal fluid to move. So when I work these areas, I'm also increasing vascular flow. So you're going to notice that your body feels really, really good because one, I've freed up your ability to get blood and oxygen to capillaries, but I've also freed up the venous blood, the blue blood that's taken out toxins, particularly carbon dioxide and metabolic waste. That's the biggest system that does mm-hmm. it. The lymph helps that, but that frees up. And I'm doing it over areas of the body that most people have never ever physically had touched before because nobody ever thought to look there because it doesn't have any relationship to their presenting complaint if you come at it from a musculoskeletal perspective. But Mm -hmm. if you come at it from a systemic full body fish tank perspective, you realize that you have to take care of the tank before you begin to take care of the stuff in the tank. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And then how, how, how long do you spend on these points? Like, you know, you said partly in the first time you're just assessing them and then, yeah. you know, you progress to the maximum. How long would you take to rub these points out? Yeah, for me, it's really not about time per se. It's about variation and variability of what you do to it. So I change up um, the techniques that I teach are a blend of Eastern medicine and Western medicine. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of shearing, which is tissue shearing back and forth because it's one of the best ways to increase uh, influence nerves and vascular structures. But I do slapping and tapping where you hit. That's based in Qigong and martial arts and stuff that's been around for centuries. And then uh, pressure, depths, and speed. So I'm actually tying into, when I teach this work, of affecting different nerves in your body and how your brain and your nervous system respond to pressure. Mm-hmm. Because I'm working the lymph, but I also want to work the nerves, and I want to work your body's perception of pressure and perception of pain based on stimulation. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually affecting your nervous system greatly. So it's not so much about time and um, duration, because... Here's the thing. People are so worried about doing something wrong or that they get stressed about it. And I'm like, first of all, that's probably why you're sick. You got too much stress. Just lighten up a little bit. And then the other one is they get so obsessive compulsive disorder on which way they're pulling lymph that they're going to pull it in the wrong direction. Mike, trust me, you ain't going to pull it in the wrong direction. The lymph knows where it needs to go as long as you know the major block points. Yeah. So if you 
pull it to the left, it'll go to the right if yeah. you clear the node the right way. So people don't do something because it's too complicated. So I had to go from there. So the assessment first is the reset. And then it, I go by, how did you feel? And the answer determines what I do next. I felt really awesome. I had a lot of energy. I felt great. So then that means one, you can repeat that if you would like to. Maybe you just spend a little bit more time on that point now and apply a little bit more pressure because that's going to be a little bit more of an aggressive release. Then I might do that. If somebody says, wow, I mean, I just I really had a headache. It was a lot for me. It was tough. So then I don't have you do it again until you begin to feel a little bit better. It might take a couple of days. Then you can do the same thing. And I'll say, okay, now, you know what? Just go a little bit lighter, a little less time, right? and then see how you do that way. Yeah, then I can fast. move into, into other stimulation. And then I teach this thing. The first fundamental thing that I teach is called the big six. So everybody gets the assessment and then I teach everyone the fundamental big six. And those are the big node roads that you absolutely have to clear. This comes before any other lymph resets. And it's very simple. So I'll tell you what the big six are. The big six, number one, is always at the collarbone. Yeah. So you release there, right? And then I tell people the way I have them do it is you just put your hand there and you rub back and forth 10 times over that region. And they go, how hard? I'm like, yes, that's the answer. Just, <laughs> just if it hurts, don't do it, but see if it feels good, right? And then depending on your sensitivity level, if you've got chronic fatigue syndrome, you're hypersensitive, you might not be able to do the next step. Then I actually do a tapping technique. And the tapping technique is actually very powerful because it stimulates what we call Pacinian corpuscles at the skin that, that uh, taps into the brain. And then you'll put your hand over there and you'll tap 10 times right there. And then that's the reset. Then you do the other side. So you rub. 10 times, and then you tap five. And then I'm like, it's okay if you do it five times. It doesn't make you a bad person and your lymph won't explode. You're good. They say, doc, can I do it 15 times? I'm like, what do you think my answer is? Of course you can, yes. right? So I just want you to know that's a technique. I want you to understand the concept. The concept is Clear this one first. Now, the second one is right at the top behind the angle of the jaw mm -hmm. below here. Yeah. So then what you're going to do is take your fingers and then you can rub up and down there like 10 times, right? Now, this one, you have to be careful because you can tap, but I want you to not tap too hard. If, it, if you can just rub if you want to, but then you tap that region 10 times as well, right? Then you're gonna go into the shoulder joint. So mm -hmm. where the pec joins the shoulder right here, it's called yep. your pectoral axillary lymph nodes. This is the one that gets blocked up, especially with women who have breast issues. So you take your hand and spread your hand out like a big giant brush on your hand. And I want you to rub your pec and right in near that armpit 10 times. And then I want you to take your whole hand and slap that region 10 times. And they're like, the first thing they say to me is, Doc, this is so simple. This can't do anything, is what they say. And I'm like, that's why it works. That's it right. Works. I love it. I think it's great. And then you go to the other side. Mm -hmm. And the one thing we need to know is that in the drainage thing, hit 10 times. When you look at how the lymph drains, it's important to know that the, I'll, I'll see this before we go to the other ones, the right side of the head, front and back, the right neck, the right arm, the right torso and the ribs to the back, that drains to the right side of the neck here. The rest of the body drains to the left side of the neck. So both feet go to the left side of the neck. Mm -hmm. So the left side of the neck usually has the larger of the issues of the two, right? So now that you know where fluids flow. Yeah. So we've done one at the collarbone, two at the top of the neck, three at the shoulder. 
Then we go down into the abdomen. In the abdomen, I still keep it light in the beginning. And then for this one, I'm going to stand up so people are watching. Then you're going to place one hand on your navel, mm -hmm. one hand above that. So I'm covering my abdominal region here. And I'm going to do the same thing. Now, I don't care which way you rub. You can do your hands up and down. You can do side to side individually. You can do circles, right? And you just do 10 times. And then you're going to do your slaps. Now, when you do your slaps, you've got two options. You can use both hands and go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Because why is that helping? That's vibration, right? Or you can do this. Here comes some math. I can do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I can go to twenty because that's ten and ten, right? Whatever one you want. So now this is now going to flow towards what? What I just released up here. Right. Right. Then I'm going to go to the groin. Mm -hmm. So now I've got the crease of the groin mm -hmm. right here. If you can see me. <coughs> There's the crease. I'm just mm -hmm. going to give everybody a warning. I really want you to be careful where you hit here. Okay. So. I'm gonna go across the crease and it doesn't matter if you go up and down or with it. Mm -hmm. Since that's the inguinal lymph nodes and they're gonna take the drainage from the glutes. And then do your hits. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now this groin is one of the most important areas for vascular flow in the entire body, right here at the groin and it's usually restricted. So now the groin is going to flow towards what? What I just cleared in the abdomen, what I just cleared in the neck. Yeah. And then the last one is going to be behind the knees. So you'll either need to sit or bend at the hips. Don't mm -hmm. bend at the back, bend at the hips. And then I want you to get your hands behind the knees. And when you rub, I want you to go uh, behind the knee, below the knee, and above the knee. Get the whole big space. All right, and then I want you to do your 10 slaps right behind both knees. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Then I want you to stay standing. I want you to get, put your feet about shoulder width apart. And I want you to bounce up and down on the balls of your feet, but don't let your feet leave the ground, just your heels. Right. I want you to bounce up and down like on a trampoline for 20 seconds, breathing in and out only through your nose. You can shake your fingers. You can raise your hands over your head if you want. You can do whatever you want, but only breathe in and out through the nose because breathing in and out through the nose moves your diaphragm better than going through your mouth. And you just did the fundamental baseline reset that every human being should do every day. Then when Dude, you do that, was awesome we move you to second, third, fourth, and fifth options, and then we move to organs. Ah, dude, that, that's awesome. Listen, where, so where can people find you? Very simple, stopchasingpain.com has all of our information and from the courses to the videos, to the memberships, to whatever. And uh, I probably spend an unhealthy amount of time on Instagram, so you can check me out on there on stopchasingpain.com yeah. as well. Uh, that's that's fantastic. You know, there was one more question. Yeah. And we'll see if you can answer it in just uh, two minutes. How does emotion tie into all of this? Because that's a big part of what you do. Oh, that's a big one, right? Well, it's interesting. When you look at Eastern medicine, the emotional center of the body sits right at the cisterna chile. Mm. So two inches above the belly button is where you hold the emotional trauma and shock. And that's because, think about that, when you are under threat, you flex forward into a fetal position, that's the fulcrum point. And it also sits right at the plexi of nerves that sit there. And when you have an emotional in your body, it creates excess tension and stress, right? And then we know that the excess tension in the body decreases fluid flow, decreases blood flow, which leads to hypoxia, which is decreased oxygen delivery. And then you go down that spiral hole of inflammation. And we know that how you think changes your 
biology. And emotions are always, in my clinical opinion, involved with chronic pain. That's what makes us unique as human beings because pain is all perception and perception is based on emotion. So you have to take that in consideration when you're working with everyone. When you work in that space between the navel and the bottom of the sternum, you very often and we'll have emotional releases from your client that will happen that they can't control. It just will happen because that's where it resides. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, great stuff, man. I, and just the fact I got it, right? I'm going to do it every day. I, I always commit to things for 30 days and see how I feel. Uh, so I'm committing to it. And I know Ashley's committing to it too. Uh, so I love it. I, I can't wait to do it and uh, learn more. I Listen, I want to have you back on and I want to do step two, right? Mm -hmm. So um, because step two, um, you know, we'll, we'll put this, we'll link this one, and then we're we're gonna when I take them to step two. So Ashley, make sure that happens. Dr. Perry, thank you for being on Sayo Healing TV. Thank you very much, Doc. Yeah. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, which was brought to you by Fastonic Molecular Hydrogen. Please check it out at getfastonic.com. We'll be back next week and every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. We truly appreciate your support. You can always find us at CellularHealing.tv. And please remember to spread the love by liking, subscribing, giving an iTunes review, or sharing the show with anyone who may benefit from the information heard here. And as always, thanks for listening.